Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. This is Not in a Huff. I am Jackson Huff. Thanks so much for being here this week. Really appreciate it. This week I'm interviewing Kathy McDaniel. Now, I always say everyone's interesting. Definitely the case. That's the point of this podcast, but absolutely interesting person this week. An interesting story and one that, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly think that, that some people are going to, to listen and think, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't want to say crazy, but it's something that, whoa, this is not accurate. Um, just because everyone does have very long-held beliefs on the topic we're going to talk about. I have no opinion that I'm, I'm going to share here. My goal is to, to bring on interesting people with a story to tell. Miss um, McDaniel absolutely does, and she tells it in a, a very, um, I guess, an inviting way. She has a, a great sense of humor about her. I found her extremely friendly, um, extremely warm. I really appreciated speaking with her. Um, but the topic we're going to talk about is near-death experiences and heaven and hell. Um, she wrote a book about it, but she had a near-death experience about 20 years ago. And um, she writes about going to to hell and then also going to heaven and, and what that was like. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's a controversial topic uh, between people who say, you know, that's not possible. People that... You know, even on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, and and say that you know heaven and hell doesn't exist. We're not going to get into all that. Um, at, at least, I'm not going to to get into all that. Um, the the goal in speaking with her was to to share her story and and share um, definitely a topic that I had never spoken to anyone about. I had certainly never talked to anyone who. Um, had been to, to heaven or been to hell or, or claimed to have been to, to either one. Um, so I certainly couldn't pass up on that opportunity. Um, whether you listen to it and, and you know, take it to heart and think, yeah, this is, this is definitely, um, you know, factual, or whether you listen and say this is a really interesting story, I think that you can gain a lot from, from it either way. Um, you know, towards the end we talk about Based on her experiences, what she learned, and she gives seven um, tips on how to how to live. And whether you think everything else she said is is wild, or whether you uh, you're taking it all to heart, the seven things she says is is just great advice for for anyone anywhere. So I really really enjoyed speaking with her. Um, I she she read just a, an excerpt from her book. Uh, I, I see why the book is is, is a really um, fascinating one for sure. Um, I think you're going to enjoy this one. You know, as as heavy as the topic is, when we're talking about heaven and, and hell and, and things like that, um, you know, I, I think that you're going to even, you know, think some of this stuff is humorous just because her personality is one that uh, is just a, a really inviting, friendly one. Um, you know, it goes without saying, you know, I, I think I've, I've made it clear, but it goes without saying that. You know, just like every week, I bring people on that that have a story to tell. Doesn't mean that I'm I'm all for what they're saying and believe all of it, or doesn't mean that I, I think that it's all you know not factual. Just because I, I I put this disclaimer in, but 
you know, when we're talking about controversial topics like we have a few times before, I think it's important to always say, you know, opinions are that of the guests and, and not of my own. Um, but really enjoyed speaking with uh, Kathy. Really, really liked um, our conversation, and I think you will too. Without further ado, here is my interview with Kathy McDaniel. I am here today with Kathy McDaniel. Kathy, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Jackson? I'm doing well. So before we get into, I guess, the, the bigger topics and why I, I brought you on, if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself outside of, uh, I, I guess, kind of the, the experiences you, you've had. Well, I've had a rather interesting life, uh, challenging. Um, started off as a, a Navy brat. My dad was in the Navy for 30 years, so we started in the Midwest, went to the East Coast, ended up in the West Coast. I was always the new kid in school, you know, always uh, two to four years here and there. So I had to learn to become uh, resilient that way to learn to get along with people. And um, that was helpful, I think. And then I had, let's see, uh, without getting too personal, um, I've been uh, married three times. I'm single now, gives you any other clues. I've got two grown kids and a grandchild. So I seem like just about anybody you ever met, but, but, um, I've had a couple of unusual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I mentioned, the reason we brought you on, cause you did write a book, which I want to, you know, dive deeper into, uh, but let's just kind of dive into, to why you, you wrote the book. Um, I mean, you speak about having a near death experience and, and that's what you wrote about. Um, so I guess kind of take me through how, how that happened. Um, I mean, we're going to go into a little bit more probing questions about it, but just how it happened in general. In general, um, most people uh, don't know what a near-death experience refers to. I had one guy tell me, hey, I had a near-death experience. I almost got hit by a bus once. Yeah. I said, well, no, that's <laughs> not quite what happens. Yeah. Um, you actually go to another dimension. Uh, reality is out the window, you find yourself in some very strange place. And uh, for me and for the people I know, you don't feel dead. I never, I never looked at myself and said, oh, you're dead until the very end when, when, when it was almost over. So that part was amazing to me. I was brought up a Catholic and uh, I, I always was taught purgatory is a place most people go you know, to uh, burn off those little venial sins, those little nasties you did throughout your life. And, and if you were really bad and you weren't sorry, then you were going to go to hell and stay there. Now, the only difference was my understanding, because very few people talked about it in detail. It's just that hell was the same as purgatory. But if you got out of hell, then you were considered purgatory. It's like a waiting room in the doctor's office waiting for a root canal. It's just as bad waiting for one as there is to have one. Mm -hmm. So that part happened. And um, when I got back, uh, I was kicked out of heaven. And that's why the um, um, heaven expat came about. Um, and so when I got back, I was furious. I was furious and I was um, so disappointed and I didn't, I wanted to go back to heaven. That's just, I mean, once you're there, it's like the greatest party you ever went to with all your friends. And you don't want somebody to say, oh, 1230, time for everybody to leave. So it took me a long time to get grounded again. And 
um, I tried to go on with my life, but with this other thing haunting me, especially the, the hell thing, I thought, geez, I wasn't that bad a person. How come I went there? So there was, a, and then there was a real fear of dying again. And wonder if I ended up there again. What do I do so that that doesn't happen? And most people didn't want to talk about it. Um, my family said I was the drugs you were on. They, you know, you were in a coma. You were on a ventilator for three weeks. You were out of it. And I thought, no, 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 this, 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 this really happened. So it took about 10 years of kind of uh, writing about this, trying to get it out on paper, thinking if I could just get it out often enough out of my brain, then it'll go away like a bad dream. Well, it never did. So 10 years later, I, I ran into this group through a bunch of serendipitous events that were miraculous in themselves. And I found myself with these people called, it's called IONS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies, which is a mouthful. And I had to be drugs kicking and screaming to this group because they sounded like a bunch of nuts to me. But once I got there, I thought, oh my God, these are my people. You know, they, they totally got it. You know, I'd say, oh, well, I went to hell. Really? What happened to you? And it's like, huh? Somebody would actually listen to me. Um, I gave a speech there that the, I, the, the crowd was, they filled the place. And that was the first time I really talked about it in public. And all these people were on the edge of their seats. And, and I thought, I'm a natural born storyteller. I've, I've been a writer since I was a little girl. And, and so to me, all of a sudden, that, that feeling that it, it wasn't quite entertaining, but it was shared and it was understood and it was okay. And not only that, it was helpful because I had taken great pains for the last several years to really pray and ask God, what do I got to do? So I never have to go through that again. I don't want my friends, my family, anybody to go there. There's got to be a way, you know, to skip that. So I have been working on that. I've got some great feedback from God, spirit, the universe, whatever you want to call it. And so I've been trying to live that way myself. It's very simple and just kind of spread the message. And in the meantime, um, I'm, I'm loving every minute of my life. I, I totally believe that we pick the life that we want on this earth and all the challenges. And so no longer do I feel like a victim when, when all, you know, this, every, it seems like everything's going wrong. Now, instead of saying, you know, why God are you so mad at me? What have I done? I say, wow, what was I thinking when I picked that one? Or why did I really want to be married to that person? But it's, it's to learn lessons and, um, I love it. It's, 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 it's almost humorous. It makes life so much lighter. I mean, whether you're talking politics, your family, finances, you kind of let it go. You think, well, I planned it. I guess I'll just have to deal with it. So what, what was the, I mean, what was the, the event that, that caused you to, I guess, go into this coma? Oh, I uh, was taking care of my ex-fiance, my best friend. we been together for seven years and he helped raise my kids and he helped me start my business and he was a manager in a big company and we were just soulmates and um he was going to be transferred to the east coast i had my family and my business on the west coast we had been growing apart we were still best friends he he calls me out of the blue and says i need to talk to you he flies out from the east coast and says i have leukemia and uh he was 52 years old 53. 
And I couldn't believe it. And he says, well, I'm going to this research facility up in Seattle and I need two caregivers and I've got one. Would you go with me? And I said, well, yeah, you bet. So I did. And it was only supposed to be for about three to five months, but um, he'd get better, he'd get worse, he'd get better, he'd get worse. Anyway, at the end of nine months, he died. Hmm. And it, I was a wreck, you know, hmm. physically, emotionally, I was a wreck. And so I went with a friend down to Southern California to a concert and this raging flu was going through there, just knocking people out left and right. It was terrible. And I caught it. Mm. And so when I came back, it didn't take long uh, before I got pneumonia and uh, went to the uh, dock in the box in the middle of the night. I was, I won't go into the details. I was not, I was not a, I was a sick puppy. And so uh, they put me in an ambulance. There was no, no, I had no pulse. Uh, they got me started again. Uh, I was in the hospital overnight and they said, well, you know, she's crashing. And so they had to trach me and, and stick me in a, in a drug-induced coma so you don't rip out your tubes and stuff. And I was gone. I didn't have really a whole lot of time to think about it. My, my family, uh, some of them flew out and, and uh, they didn't know what was going to happen because it's uh, it was called ARDS, still out there. It's acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is lung failure. And it's, it's a terrible thing. And that's usually what happens to people that have um, SARS or most likely, I've heard it called, what it is when people die of COVID. It's just lung failure. Your lungs just fill up with this glue and then it turns to cement and you die. Hmm. So uh, back then, this was 20 years ago, they really didn't know how to treat it. The pulmonologist didn't know what to do. So um, they were kind of experimenting with a group of us <laughs> in the world that time. And that, that time, the success rate to survive was 38%. Hmm. And that was, they didn't tell you what kind of long-term damage you would have. So that was the good news. I'm, I had a 38% chance of making it. And I was 53 years old. Um, so after three weeks in the coma, um, at one point, they came to my folks and said, she's not going to make it, make your goodbyes. So I'm thinking that it was at that time that I drifted over. And that's pretty common in comas. Uh, you know, you're kind of loose in your body anyway. And uh, so then I got sent back. And then, boom, I opened my eyes. And, oh, yeah, it's party time. She's back. I couldn't move at all. I had lost all my muscle mass. Uh, I was 86 pounds. I was skin and bones. I could move one finger and blink. Mm. That's it. That was the extent of my human body. Mm. So when I, I'm still got all this hell and heaven stuff mulling around in my head. And I'm thinking I was sent back because I had too much left to do. What the heck am I going to do? I can't move. I can't talk. Uh, they don't, I heard him, overheard him saying in the hall, we don't know how brain damaged she is. So I thought, I, uh, depressed is probably an understatement. But it took me a full month in the ICU and then a full month in a rehab trying to get some weight on me. They had to get me to 100 pounds before they let me go. I had to learn how to walk, talk, swallow, feed myself, uh, crawl. I couldn't do anything. All your muscle mass forgot you know, was gone. So I had to learn everything like a baby all over again. Mm. And it was really time consuming and painful. And 
heartbreaking. And uh, oh, it was, um, I don't, you know, I look at these poor COVID people and I think, wow, they survive and everybody's got balloons at the party and it's when they let them loose. And I think, oh, dude, it's just starting for you. Sad. So, so if you would, um, I mean, without obviously giving too much of, of your, your book away, what, so exactly what happened to you while you were in this coma? Kind of give us a, an abbreviated version of, of I mean, you, you kind of touched on, um, you know, that, that you, um, you, know, you, you talk about going to, to heaven and, and, and hell. So if you would just tell us a little bit about that. Can I read you just one little short page of how it felt to wake up in the other world? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. Because a lot of people, most people go to the void first and the void is a totally dark place. There's no sensation. There's no sound. And so when I found myself there, this is how it felt. I didn't feel dead, only confused, total darkness and absolute silence. My only references, not daring to move. I waited. The blackness morphed into a reddish glow, dragging with it a stinking heat, acrid fog, muffled moans, and ungodly shrieks. Oh, this can't be good. Something was staring at me. Like a blow, a voice thundered. Do you know where you are? My mind raced, searching for some rational explanation part of me already knew. Hell, I whispered. To my horror, the answer was an ear-splitting, maniacal laugh. The evil crept closer as I clamped, shaking hands over my ears. Panic surged in me, triggering the requirement for fight or flight. Fighting was not an option. I turned and ran. So that was my welcome to the afterlife. Uh, well, first of all, that's the, the, the heavier part is that's terrifying. The, the lighter part is you're a heck of a reader. I think you could just sit here and read the whole rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do it on an audio book, but I get so emotional in some of the parts. <clears throat> it doesn't work for me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened. And so again, not feeling dead, um, I just took off. And then had all these different like scenarios happen. Uh, the first place was like this bombed out, horrible city with these creatures in it. And, and I was trying to find somebody that, that you know, I yelled out to some, because some guy was looking down in the, in the fog and the, the burning stuff. And I saw this thing and I says, hey, hey, you know, um, over here, uh, uh, maybe we can get together, you know, like I'll find some food and you find some. And, and he said, no, we are all alone here. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, so I ran from that one. And then, boom, I found myself in another weird place with weird people, mostly demons. And they are not, they are not funny. <laughs> they have no sense of humor, believe me. And so they would, they would tease me with, if you will just do this. Um, then we'll let you out of here. But then you try to do that. Like I was in a, it sounds stupid, but at the time it was very horrifying. This huge blackberry field. I don't know if you're familiar with blackberries, but the huge ones, as far as you could see. And uh, in Washington state here, uh, we have them everywhere. And I mean, the canes are really long and thick and they've all got these thorns all over them and stuff. 
And this demon says, I'll let you out of here if you cut down all these canes. And I thought, what? You know, that can't happen. And then in my appears in my hand is this little pair of like kindergarten kid scissors. And I just given this guy the eye saying, you know, I thought you, yeah. but anyway, so I thought that's the only way I'm going to get out of here. So I'm down there trying to cut these damn canes. And as soon as I cut one, it grew back. So now they're laughing and I just, I wasn't going to give up. He says, you've got to give up. You've got to despair. And then I says, no, I'm not, I'm getting out of here. I'm Mr. Fiber, man. I'm not, I'm not going to stay here. So I started cutting. Well, boom, I'd find myself in another position. We got another situation. Sometimes there's other people there, real people. And that's why, again, I didn't think I was dead because I saw two people I knew from real life that I had to give messages to. Try and give somebody a message that starts off with a sentence, say, I saw you in hell and I'm supposed to tell you this. That, that's a real icebreaker. Um, so, you know, this whole thing just went on and on and, and I can... I can I could appear to be making light of it now. That's only 20 years later. It still haunts me. I mean, it was an awful place, but I can make light of it because that's what my family does. We we use humor to lighten up things and get through them. So uh, there was that, and then it got to the very end where I was starting to really kind of wear down. I did. I really was starting to think. Uh, this is just going on and on and on. And the last time, and I didn't know it was going to be the last time, I, I did something, said something, and uh, that's when the lights went on and the joy just came through and the ecstasy and, and just this feeling uh, that you can't even, uh, yeah, it's just you can't talk about it because there's no words. You're in a place where you don't have a body, so there's no words. Everything's all telepathic up there. It's really cool. But the coolest thing of all was I look up and there's my friend that just died. Mm. And, and he looked great, you know, because the last time I saw him, he's in bed. He's, he's all, you know, purple and his hair fell out and he was just all swollen and a poor little guy. out, And he looked great. And I thought, wait a minute. Uh, he's laughing. And I said uh, to myself, he doesn't know he's dead. And then he's really laughing. And then I thought, oh, no, if he's dead, then I'm dead. And it took a minute to sink in. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm in heaven. I'm with my friend. This is awesome. And, and then uh, we had some conversation, and he showed me some stuff. And then he said, I'm sorry, Mary Kay. You've got too much left to do. And it sunk in that I was getting kicked out. And I said, no, huh? I I wasn't going. And then boom, you, you know, you end up with your family going yippy skippy and you just are not happy. So that's in a nutshell. What it's, it, it's lengthy. The, there's a lot of detail. And um, over the years, uh, I've had a chance to say, you know, I really think about that hell thing. And, and one thing I want to tell people is God loves us. God doesn't judge us. Uh, we judge ourselves. People tell me they have life reviews and you get to feel how it felt to be mean or, or, or nice or whatever to other people. And that has nothing to do with God. God is just total love. Don't tell little kids, don't hit your brother. It'll make God sad. You can't make God sad. I just learned a lot. And so you don't have to go to hell. And uh, it's just because you brought it on yourself. 
So you, I mean, you, you mentioned seeing people and, and demons and stuff while you were, were in hell and, but, but with heaven, you mentioned one person. So did you just have an experience with, with your friend and, and saw no one else? You, you know, I had a lot of time to think about that too. Sometimes what happens, and I've heard this from other people, this is how I've come to come to terms or, or learn to understand this. A lot of times you'll, you'll see things and hear things up there. And then when you come up back, they erase them. So you can't remember. Like I remember him showing me something in this great big book, look like a, I don't know, a big architect's book on a table. And I remember saying, oh, oh no, 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 that's going to be too hard. I want to stay here with you. And um, I believe he showed me all the things that I was going to have to do. And yes, it's been hard. And, uh, but I'm still glad I'm, you know, I'm going to get it done. I'm telling you, I'm motivated. <laughs> I'm get it all done so I can go home. And that's, it's, it's very common for people who've been there. You just, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to get things done. But wow, can't you wait to go home? Heaven is so great. And so, you see, and God is not a person. We, we make God a person. You don't see God. God just is. He, God is everywhere. God is everything. So it's that sensation, that feeling of being one and just incredibly joyful and free. That's experiencing God. You don't see God. Uh, I kind of upset a, a lady. <laughs> she has an evangelical church and she wanted me to be on her podcast. And I said, honey, I don't think I'm going to fly on this one <laughs> because there's no throne. There's no Jesus sitting on the right side. There's no angels. Without it's just God. And, and yeah, people see Jesus uh, and they see Mary and they see a lot of other people, but you don't see God. So we had the grandest talk. Uh, and then she says, I'll call you back and set you up for a podcast. And I never heard from her again, but we had a great talk. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to change anybody. I'm not saying I'm right and everybody's wrong. I'm just saying this is my experience and a lot of other people's experience. And it's a much kinder, um, loving way to live. You're, if you're not afraid all the time, if you're not a, that's just it. The fear is pretty much gone. And right. that's really nice. All right. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing about this podcast is I try as, as hard as I can not to really have an opinion or at least show opinion. My, my biggest thing is just to, to talk to people and, and learn about them and, and give them an opportunity just to, to tell us, you know, their story and in whatever way that they, that they want to tell it. So I don't really, I, I never really come at it with any kind of real opinion or, or hard pressing, but, but that is, uh, I guess, brings up a, another good point of what do you say to people, you know, given that you've had, you know, such a, an intense experience and one that you, you know, are, are very passionate about. What do you say to people who, you know, tell you, you know, you probably were dreaming or none of this is true. What, I mean, what, what do you say to your, your, uh, I guess your detractors? Well, I think the scientific approach was they told me when I was in the coma that they gave me something called white amnesia. I don't, it's a, it's something that they put in the mixture that totally uh, causes your brain to not remember anything that happened to you while you're in the coma. Hmm. Now, I don't remember anything in the coma that had to do with my body, 
but my spirit was somewhere else. My brain might have been down in that body, but my spirit and my mind was somewhere else, and it was not affected by their white amnesia. That's the explanation. Um, the, and then as far as the rest of it, well, they'll just find out for themselves. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a good explanation. I think that's kind of the the clincher, isn't it? So you, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you you mentioned that you were in a, a coma for for three weeks. Um, I mean, do you have any perception of time? Do you know how long this experience lasted for you? No, the thing about eternity is it's an eternal now is the yeah. best explanation I can give you. It's um, it's just not here. We here we're we're bound by time and, and we measure everything by time. But once you're over there, it's just always now. And so it can t someone can be dead for 20 minutes because they you know were underwater or something, or they can be in a coma, or they can have an experience where it's near death where they actually, I mean, they're in a and, and they, they float out maybe for a couple of seconds and then they look at themselves from the top of the operating room and their little bodies, they stuff themselves back into their bodies. It's, it's not definable. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you, um, I mean, you mentioned that you were having kind of very individualized experiences. So this may kind of uh, explain my next question, but you know, you, you talked about, being in a group of, of other people who have had, you know, similar experiences or at least near-death experiences. So how do you explain, uh, again, kind of just playing devil's advocate, which sounds kind uh -huh. of funny, sounds kind of funny <laughs> with what we're talking about, but playing devil's advocate, what do you, how do you explain, you know, all these other people having very, very different experiences? I assume not everyone is saying the exact same thing about their experience with heaven as, and hell as, as you are. No, it's individual, um, and only about 20% uh, of the near-death experiences are uh, termed dark, which is mine. Uh, distressing, dark, they don't like to say bad. It's not bad because generally people come back with lessons. Uh, it's just um, a way of getting uh, um, the lessons across. And also, they're um, looked at as almost like a, a mythical trek. You know, in the old days, the, the heroes went down into the darkness, down into the hell and, and learned the lessons and fought the demons and then came back and shared the lessons with the people. So I, over the years and for the many books I've read on the subject by people who have had them, it's, 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 uh, it's just an, another experience to, to give you different lessons. And um, it, yeah, it's very individual because we're all different people and have different backgrounds, but there are a lot of them. I mean, nobody's afraid to die anymore. That's number one. Number two, they say they've never been so happy, joyful, whatever, and there's not words to explain it. Um, three, nobody's afraid anymore. Uh, uh, you know, you just don't worry about things as much. And um, so there's some people see light, some people don't. I mean, it's just, um, it, it um, let's see, respects the individual. Yeah. So, you, you know, obviously we're talking about this um, group, support group, for lack of a better, better term. How supportive is your, your family with all of this? Well, <laughs> um, it was really hard for them, uh, A, that they almost lost me, and, and B, that uh, 
I came back and said that uh, uh, all religions are misinformed. Uh, spirituality is different from being religious. Um, and they're, you know, they did not take that well. Um, I have to be careful not to force it on them, but I also asked them not to belittle or uh, mistrust or not respect what happened to me. So we generally don't talk about it very much. Mm -hmm. um, it's gotten better over the years because um, uh, they're in their 90s, my folks, and my sisters had a couple of experiences like she saw my dead brother. Uh, and so they're kind of saying, now, what was that thing again? You know, that kind of stuff. They're, they're, they're getting more used to it. Now, IONS is fabulous. It's worldwide. There's thousands of people that have had near-death experiences. It's fascinating to go to the conferences every year and be around all these dead people. I never feel so joyful <laughs> and so happy as I am when I'm around. Oh, the energy is amazing. Um, just happy. And when we all start have to leave and go home to the, quote, real world, it's a bummer. You just want to sit around and, and just be with people that know how wonderful God is. So you, um, I mean, with, with everything that, that you're talking about, and this doesn't necessarily make you an, an expert in this area, you can say that you don't really know. But, I mean, do you see that these two, two worlds can... I guess, intertwine, you're talking about your, your sister seeing your brother. Do you think that there are, you know, spirits coming into to our world? You know, there's obviously people that, that have those experiences and talk about that. So do you, do you think that that's not necessarily true or you think that it is? Oh, they're here all the time. I mean, uh, I just, we just don't learn to recognize them anytime. Uh, I mean, our loved ones are with us all the time. When you get, in a room or a car, you've got probably, I don't know, 10, 20 spirits with you all the time. They like to hang out with us. They like to support us. They like, when you hear little whispers in your ear, uh, a lot of the times people used to say, oh, that's your conscience or that's your guardian angel. Well, it's the spirits. They're talking to you when, and you have to look for their little signs. Sometimes like if you had a really good friend and they got killed in a car accident or whatever happened and you hear a song that, you know, you guys used to really like to hear together, that's them making contact. Um, and anytime something pops into your head, uh, like, Oh my gosh, I forgot that from high school when we did such and such. That's that person reminding you, I'm here. I'm here with you all the time. You're never alone. Um, that gets a little disconcerting sometimes. It's, it's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. How many people are in here? I better be careful what I say. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to have, you know, you're, you don't miss people so much when you know they're right there. All you got to do is talk about them, think about them, and their spirits are right there with you. So what are you? And um, your pets. And your, your pets. pets. There's dogs and cats and people talk about their horses. They, you know, when they're in heaven, they see them. They're there. Yeah. So that's also very comforting, you know. Yeah. Um, you don't have to mourn so much. You can just be glad for them. I mean, it kind of freaks people out when they when the nice they say, "Oh well, Uncle Joe finally passed away, and he's been lingering for four years with cancer." I say, "Thank God, he is healthy, and he's off seeing all his old friends." You know, he's the lucky one. And again, people kind of look at you sideways. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
Makes sense. So you, you're talking about the, the happy side of things. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about maybe the non-happy, the benevolent type spirits? Do you think the that's bad the thing? Ones? Yeah. Yeah, they're out there. And uh, they're the ones that uh, say, oh, nobody's going to see you. You know, you, you keep that $10 or, uh, you know, they're there. And I don't call them to myself. I don't talk about them. I don't think about them. I don't want them in my consciousness because I know how real and horrible they are. And it's, uh, there is evil out there. I mean, they're yin and yang, good and bad, light and dark. It, it, they're real. And, uh, and they're very seductive. And that's why they suck people in. And people say, I don't want to get a hold of me. Why I did? What did I do that for? That's the kind of thing you have to be aware of. Yeah. That's nothing to play with. Ouija boards, none of that stuff. Don't go right. there. No, 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 no. Right. Um, the other thing is that um, I love the idea of the soulmate thing and, and planning your life and picking your friends in heaven. And supposedly you got this group you hang with over, you know, you maybe come down multiple times and say, okay, let's, you know, I'll come into your life just, just for a little bit, just to check in sometime. And, and another time, maybe, you know, I'm going to be your mother this time. You know, it can get pretty, pretty wild. But I love the part about sometimes you're at a party, you're at a stand in line at the grocery store or something. Somebody starts talking to you, you're in an airplane and you go, you know, I, I know I've met you before. Where can I know you from? And they say, well, I don't know. I live in Wisconsin. You live, well, I know you. I know you from somewhere. Well, now I understand that they're one of our soulmates that we said, we'll just check in. Let's see if we recognize each other. And, and it happens a lot. Um, I, I, just for people to be aware of that, that you've got lots of soulmates out there that, that come to your rescue uh, at the most unexpected times. And this could be even like a homeless person. You know, um, when I was in the hospital, I was, you know, I was just a wreck and I, I they had to tie me to a chair. I could had no muscle. I was like a rag doll. And, just skin and bone, ugly, scary, scary looking person. And uh, I was in a wheelchair and I had to, so now I knew how invisible I looked. Nobody would look me in the eye. They would just kind of like, didn't want to even look at me. So that, I, that's, boy, that stuck with me. And so anytime I see anybody in a wheelchair, any place, I'll always try and catch their eye and just say, hey, how are you doing? And just the look of shock on their face that somebody saw them. It is so amazing. Same thing with, People by the side of the road that, you know, I've got a little sign, you know, please help. I'll get a, I'll get a sensation that that's, that's a real person that needs my help. And, and I, for a while I was keeping dollar bills and $5 bills in the, in the car. And, um, and I, I, you know, I rolled down my window. If the light stopped, if the, the traffic wasn't bad, but all these little things I had to have. And then I would, you know, just say, have a nice day. And the, yeah, every single one of them would say, God bless you. And that was my key. That was my one of my little things I had to do before I could go home. I, I imagine this huge blackboard with all these little pins in it with faces on it. And when I can find these people and do a kindness, uh, make a difference in their life, even if it's a little one, because sometimes you do something nice for somebody and you have no idea how that changes their attitudes or, or changes what they might have done later in that day. So... Um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of fun stuff has happened once you know where to look. Right, right. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of just finding the, the commonality in everyone's story, regardless of whether, you know, people are, are listening to this and think that it's, that it's, it's something that, that's real or, or not. Everyone can, can take away, just be more kind to people and, and, and have life with a, with a purpose. So if you would kind of, obviously it's been 20 years um, since, since this experience, how has, has life changed? We, we've talked a little bit about it, but, but how has your life changed since then? Well, I, I think it's, it's letting go. I can uh, have things happen to me now that would have been quite devastating. Uh, one would be uh, my daughter, whom I love dearly. Uh, I haven't talked to in 10 years um, because she got Lyme's disease or something, and, and she just turned on the family. She, she had some mental breakdown. And um, ordinarily, that, you know, that had put me in a tailspin, but I'm, I'm, I have I believe that we chose to be together in this life, that I would be her mom, she would be my daughter. And if I would give her the space and pray for her, that she could learn whatever it is that she needs to learn, rather than mope and drink and, and rant and, and, you know, carry on, I can just accept that. It still hurts. I still miss her. But I'm allowed to let things happen and trust that it's all going to turn out okay. So what, what advice do you, do you give to others based on you know, the experience you've, you've had? I came up with these seven words. I had, like I said, I was praying for a long time. Please, I don't want to go to hell again. How can I do it? And they came to me slowly, but I just like to share them. <clears throat> and they're so easy. Everybody knows these words, but you've already said one of them. And the big two are be loving and kind. Mm -hmm. If you just do those two things, it, it can't go wrong. But then we also have to be merciful, and that's a tough one. Forgiving, it's another tough one. Encouraging. A lot of times we just want to say, I don't want to hear about your problems anymore. We really need to, to take a minute and, and encourage people. We have to be grateful all the time. Non-judgmental, which for me is uh, a biggie, and useful. And that useful uh, kind of stumped me for a while, but then I also heard from one of my spirits or somebody said, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And if we look around in today's world, it's so easy to just blame everybody. And, you know, we've got to be useful and, and, and do something positive and not just bitch about it, you know? Oh. So... That's what I would suggest. If it, I'd say that to myself every morning. I help, God help me to be all these things. And if you can even get one or two in a day, you know, it's, it's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think anyone can, can disagree with, with living by those, uh, those seven words for sure. So mm -hmm. you, we, we've talked, you know, a lot about your experience and that you, you wrote a book about it. If you would just kind of Talk a little bit about your book. Plug, plug the book where people can find it, what it's called. <clears throat> okay, it's called Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat. And you can find it on Amazon. And it's really a memoir. I, as you know, I'm a storyteller and I do have a good sense of humor. And it's about my family's background because somebody said, well, sit down and write about your experience and how, it, how you were before, during, and after it. Well, you can't do that in two pages. So what happened is, and it was really quite fun, my ancestors started pouring all these stories into my head. 
And I just sat down at the typewriter and just started writing. And um, it was really fun. Uh, so it goes back to my grandparents on both sides. And they had hard lives. There's a lot of alcoholism and, and uh, dirt poor farmers. And, you know, so all these people, I explain what came down genetically, hereditarily to me, to make me who I was, my parents, siblings, friends, growing up, going to all those schools, <laughs> being locked in a locker in junior high school, you know, all that stuff. And then going forward uh, to, to where I am now. And it's just, it's a story that is everybody's family, you know, and it's, it, uh, it, but it's told with humor and kindness. So uh, it's, it's kind of cool. I went to that big earthquake in Santa Cruz, uh, survived that. And uh, so there's, there's been a lot of things. I lost my first daughter, uh, lost my baby, uh, terrible circumstances. Um, so there's been some pretty tough stuff in my life. But, you know, you got to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and know that this is just a play. It's, we rewrote the script ourselves. We're doing the play, enjoy it, and trust that it's all going to work out. And it will. Yeah. So, you know, I, I called you Kathy, Kathy McDaniel, but your book is not Kathy McDaniel. Oh. What, it, what is no, it and why? No, <laughs> my, my, my pseudonym is uh, the initials M.K. McDaniel. So that's, yeah, you won't find it under Kathy. That's, that's the... Uh, MK <laughs> McDaniel. That's your, that, that's, MK that's sounds your. kind of proper. Yeah, I like it though. I do. So, you know, it, I mean, it's it's been an, an absolute pleasure to to talk with you. Definitely an Thanks. interesting story for sure. That's that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's yeah. been a pleasure. And that was my interview with Kathy McDaniel. Hope you enjoyed that one. I, I really enjoyed speaking with her. I think uh, she's just a, a fascinating, really nice person. Um, I think we could learn a lot from her regardless of your opinion on the actual experiences are, you know, those, those seven things and, and just being kind to people and, and doing things with a purpose that translates to, to everyone, regardless of your thoughts on this matter or regardless of your religion or lack thereof. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope, uh, you, know, you, you came into it, you know, and, I'm not saying with a complete open mind on the topic, but you came into it willing to, to listen. And, and, you know, when it comes to controversial topics, definitely in religion, it's hard to, to hear things that, that don't necessarily jive with what you're thinking um, or what your, your long-held beliefs are. Um, you know, that's my goal is never to change anyone's mind or anything. That's, that's, that's just not what this podcast is about. Uh, but hope you're able to, to open yourself up enough um, if you think you know this this topic is is a little bit uh, different that you're willing to open up your mind enough to to gain something something from this talk because um, I certainly certainly did regardless of what my opinions are I gained you know a lot from from speaking with uh, Kathy I think that just her her positivity and and her her thoughts on just not being you know, afraid of afraid of the future i think that's just a a really helpful thing for for us all um so thanks so much for for being here this week thanks so much for tuning in hope to see you next time um and uh, take it away chris 
This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.